Baptist this morning, and uh, I trust that the Lord will bless it to you. Can we just pray? Lord, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, and we're so well aware that without you, we can do nothing. And we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit into our midst, that we might be very, very aware of your presence and that you would build us up in the faith that we may live our lives that glorify you. Amen. We are looking this morning at the Gospel of St. John and uh, probably a chapter that you know very well, the 14th chapter, just a few verses there. I'm reading from verse 15 to verse 26, 14th chapter of St. John's Gospel. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, which, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He that hath my commands and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man loves me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Um, If you look carefully at these few verses, it's very interesting because it seems to be very, very repetitive. And you've got this business of, uh, if you keep my commandments, we've got it in verse 15, we've got it in verse 21, we've got it in verse 23, we've got it in verse 24. And the other great theme in these few chapters, in this few passage, is exactly the same. And the other theme, which is union with Christ, Um, again is repeated, verse 17, verse 20, verse 23. So, 
you've got to ask yourself this. Um, why is it repeated like that in so many few verses? And the reason why is this. If it's the Lord himself repeating it, and the Lord is not long-winded, what he wants us to do is to really get a hold of it, to gird up the loins of our mind, to focus upon it, to apply ourselves. It's a very, very important teaching. One of the most important teachings in the whole of the Bible. Um, It's interesting, isn't it, that uh, I just said that when the Lord speaks, he's not long-winded. In fact, you read many, many scriptures that talk about the charm and the grace of the Lord's language. If you look at the Song of Solomon, you'll read a scripture there, and it says this, it says, His mouth is most sweet. He is altogether lovely, and this is my brother and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. His mouth is so sweet. It's talking about his speech. It's talking about his conversation. And you can pick it up several times. You can pick it up in the Gospel of Mark. And when he went back to his hometown um, and he was speaking to his people, they said, well, just a minute. Isn't this the carpenter's son? What a word of wisdom is this? Who gave him uh, this graciousness? You read it again in the Gospel of St. Luke. What gracious words proceeded out of his mouth. So whatever the Lord says, we've got to make particular application. Now, I just want to digress slightly here before getting back to the theme because it's very, very important. Now, we read time and time again the Lord's saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, obviously, the implication is very strongly that we know what his commandments are. And really, it's, it's, it's encouraging us to really know the Word of God. You know, when I, I think of today and the way things are going spiritually, I'm not a pessimist, believe me, but you don't need a great, great deal of spiritual awareness and apprehension to see that the world is crumbling about us. I mean, who would have ever thought the time would come when you'd have a marriage between two men or two women? It's exactly against what God has ordained. And we've got all these things crowding on top of us. So what the Lord is saying is this, that you've really got to get into the Word. It cannot be a word that you pick up and look on a Sunday morning. It won't work. It's got to be part of us. Why is that? Because it's the word, it's a life-giving word. It's a wonderful word. Let me read what somebody says about the word. A couple of quotes. I like this really because it puts it very, very concisely. Anybody, I don't know if you've heard of William Barclay. William Barclay was uh, many years ago, but he wrote some really good study books, the study series of the Bible. And um, I think he was a professor of theology. He was a Scot, 
And um, he said this, to a Jew, a word was not merely a sound. It did things. As Dr. John Peterson puts it, that book is alive. The spoken word in Hebrew was fearfully alive. It was not merely a, a vocable or sound dropped heedlessly from unthinking lips. It was a unit of energy charged with power. When that word abides within me, it's building up a power. How is it, you know, I was just thinking, if you ask me to pray for you, we'll say, you may do that sometimes. If I haven't looked at the word, if I haven't been in contact with the Lord for many, many days, I'll be very, very hesitant, very, very reluctant. You come to me when I've soaked myself in the word for a couple of years, a couple of days, a couple of hours, I'm into the word, there'll be no stopping me. I'll come and pray for you immediately. What, is, what does the scripture say? It said we had it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. How did you receive the Spirit? You received the Spirit, not by the works of the law, but by the hearing of faith. Um, Romans 10 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. As we feed upon the word, faith is engendered. We're built up. We're edified. We're strengthened. It's a powerful word. It's God's own word. It's not like he's picking up the, the Book of Mormon or a Book of Buddha, if he's got a book, or the Koran, or any other book like that. You read them, they do nothing for your soul. The, the Word is the only book that really speaks to the innermost soul. It's the only book that can bring me into contact with heaven and with God. It's a marvellous word. So, if you're going to obey the commandments of the Lord, you've got to know the word. You've got to know the word. We are. We're students of the word, aren't we? That's what we've come to hear. We've come to hear the word of God. Because God has written it for us. And we come to hear it. Um, it's very interesting. You may have heard of a man called Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody was a very famous American evangelist um, of the famous team, Sankey and Moody. And Moody came to the UK, and uh, we should know this because he preached at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in South London. Who was the pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle? The great, great Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a man of fire, a man of power. And, and Moody was invited there and spoke there. Um, and Moody said this. This is very apt. I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. 
but faith did not seem to come. One day, I read in the 10th chapter of Romans how faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. He he was mightily used of God, powerful. Thousands of people uh, came to the Lord through his ministry. A man of faith, a man of the word of God. Um, That was a bit of a diversion, but I think it's very important. If we get back to these 11 verses, you've got two themes that run throughout this. One that we've been looking at, we'll examine more closely, and that's our love for Jesus. That's the most important thing in the whole world, probably. And the second theme is another vitally important theme in the Bible. And it is our union with Jesus. So, um, if you look quickly down there, regarding the union with Jesus, it speaks, first of all, in verse 17, of the Spirit. He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Then, uh, further on down, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode with him. We will live in him. We will make our abode with him. You know, if there's anything more humbling, it's the fact that God has decided to come and dwell within. The scripture says we have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. And we think, oh, this is not me, this is all you're doing, God. Who am I? Who are you? We're nobodies. But God is everything. And what, is, what, what, what does it mean, that this union with Christ? You can see how important it is because verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, this is Judas, who's the brother of James. In other words, Jude. You can read it in the uh, epistle to Jude, about verse number one there. This is the brother of James. But he says a very, very interesting thing. How is it that you will appear? How is it that you will show yourself? How is it that you would manifest yourself to me or to Christians and not to the world? Well, what's it saying? It's saying this. There's a huge, huge gap between a Christian and a non-Christian. God has joined us with himself. We are one spirit with the Lord. Let Let me put it this way. He has taken us out of the realm of darkness and death and sin. He has lifted us and planted us spiritually 
in, a, in Jesus, in the realm of life, eternal life, in the realm of power, in the realm of blessing. That's what he's done. You know, praise the Lord this morning. You can say this, I'm sure. Thank God I'm a Christian. Thank the Lord that Jesus dwells within. The world is going mad. But I'm kept sane and steadfast because of the abiding presence of Jesus within. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that he's done. We have a union with him. You know, it's an indissoluble union. If God's put himself or the Spirit or Jesus within, who's going to take him out? Nobody can do it. He's there. He's there for good. And that's why Jesus says, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. You know, things come upon us, don't they, day by day. I was just thinking, (laughs) this week, I don't know what sort of a week you've had, but our week hasn't been too good. But hallelujah anyway. But with all our worries and all our troubles, we've got a God who makes us exceeding great and abundant promises. And my understanding of the scripture is yes, we do go through some terrible things, but God is there to bring us through. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We've got a great God. Think back in your own life and the different trials and temptations you've had. And yet you're still going strong. You're still coming here every, every Sunday to praise the Lord, to worship and adore. How, how do you know if you're a Christian? That's one of the ways we've just read. The way you know that you're a Christian is this union with Christ. And the scripture says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. You read it in Romans 8. Now, some people haven't got that assurance. But you can pray for it. It's a very, very blessed thing to know that you know that you know that you know that you're in God's mighty hand. You can say, God, please show me. Do I really belong to you? Think of, do you love hearing the word? Of course you do. Do you like fellowshipping with the saints? Of course you do. Encourage yourself. You belong to the Lord. I suppose a a sure way to know whether I'm a Christian, another way, is this. Jesus in chapter 16, or chapter 15, says, when the Spirit comes, what will he do? He shall glorify me. He will take the things of mine and he will show them unto you. So, if you're a Christian, your main focus, the thing that really motivates you, the thing that you live for is the Lord. He shall glorify me. 
The Spirit puts a focus on Jesus. He says, hey, have a look at Jesus. Can't you see how lovely he is? Can't you see the beauty of holiness that's upon your Lord and Savior? Have you ever met anybody like him in this world? Certainly not. There's no one heaven like him. There's no one on earth like him. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the Blessed One of God. And he will have his way. He was with God in the beginning. He was before all things. He was the Word that was made flesh. What a a wonderful Savior. And you know, he loves us, every one of us, with an everlasting love. Now, the second theme, we've been talking about union, was our love for Christ. Now, the question is this. If you ask me, do you love the Lord, Alan? I say, yes, I do. But not as I should love him, not as I would like to love him. Because he said, words of Jesus, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. That's what he says. Jesus makes some very, very difficult commands. The other command that he says, he said, if you love me, you must love me above, above. He who does not love me more than he loves his mother or father or brother and sister, he's not worthy of me. That's hard, isn't it? You know, only someone who is God can ask these things. So, if we want to love Jesus more, as far as I can see, there's got to be a focus. There's got to be an intensity. There's got to be a magnif- magnification, if you like. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his holy name together. What do I mean by that? I mean this. Sometimes we can see the Lord. We've got a picture of the Lord in our own minds. But the picture that we really need is a picture in the Word of God. We may say, well... He's the most marvellous teacher in all the world. Well, and so he is, but he's a bit more than that. Because he's also judge and warrior. And in the last day, he will judge the world with truth and righteousness. I don't know if you're saved this morning. I don't know you very well. If you don't know the Lord this morning, I mean, all I can say to you is you're missing out. You're missing out. You want to be happy? Put your hand in the hand of the man of Galilee. Money, position, what are they going to go? They go very quickly like that. But there will come a day, there will come a day when Jesus has been appointed judge of the earth. And if you've willfully disobeyed him, you, I'm sorry, but he will shut you out of his presence. Well, it's, what an awful thing. 
you can have a little bit of faith and say, well, what, tell me more about this Jesus. I want to know him. I really want to know him. And the first thing you need to know that is that he died for your sins. You know, we, we, te- we, we tend to think that sin is a, a very small thing. But it doesn't matter what your sin was, he died for your sin. You see him up there on the cross, bleeding, beaten, scorn heaped upon him. The Lord of glory came down from the heavens to be upon the earth, and he died for you and me. You know, when I think of my own life, my life was a mess when I was saved. But Jesus came along and saved me, and I'm very, very grateful. How about you? Were you was it just a, a, a little salvation? Was, it, was his death something not too great? Sin is sin, whatever it is. And he died for sin. So, we concentrate and focus upon Jesus. What's the, what's the main focus that we should have today? I'm saying this advisedly <clears throat> because I see an emasculation or a weakening of certain areas of our faith. And John speaks a lot of, if you read the epistles of John, he speaks a lot about the antichrists who are appearing. What's an antichrist? It's an unbeliever. Somebody who doesn't believe that Jesus has come in the flesh. Somebody who doesn't believe in the deity of Jesus. And he's very, very strongly against that. And we're surrounded by them today. And they come in and they rob people. And Jesus is saying to us this morning, Who am I? He says that in the scripture. Why does he keep saying that? Who do men say that I am? He wants to make it really clear who he is. Now, he's either the Son of God or he's not the Son of God. But time and again, you read in the Scripture who he declares to be. You remember when he comes to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and she said, oh, I perceive that you're a prophet. And he didn't receive that. He said, he who speaks to you is the Messiah. I am he. I am the Messiah. The anointed one of God. I'm the one who made all things. I'm the one by whom all things hold together. They consist. It's all in me. You read it also in chapter 14, some earlier verses that we've just read. And Philip says, uh, show us the Father. And what does Jesus say to him? Have you been so long with me that you still don't know? He who has seen me has seen the Father. What do we read in Colossians? In him, in Jesus, dwelleth all 
the Godhead in bodily form, all the deity, it's in Christ. Who else is there that can have within himself all treasures of wisdom and knowledge in our Saviour? And he's not far off, is he? He's right close to us. Very, very close. Because we just read he's within us. So, what does this mean for me? Well, it means this. Lift up your head, get into that battle, and remember who you are. Remember from whence you have come. Remember who is your Lord and Master. He is the Lord. He is Jesus. He is God. He's got those great big hands. He's holding me. It says, doesn't it, that I'm uh, etched upon the palms of his hands. Jesus, every day, will pray for me. He ever liveth to intercede for me. I mean, I love the prayers of the saints. I really do. Always encourage me. But to have Jesus praying for you. So, let's remember who we are. We have within us a great power, a great force. You read it in chapter 7. He says we've got a, a, a well of living water within. It's within every one of us, if we know the Lord. And what we've got to do, we've got to do is let it out. It's a river of love. It's a river of life. When Jesus lived within, it means that we're partakers of the life of God. It's what the, the Bible calls zoe in the Greek. It means divine life. We're partakers of the divine nature. So this morning, just let me say to you, just to finish, be encouraged this morning. You know, God cares for us more than we'll ever know. Whatever you're going through this morning, you can be going through great trials. Don't let it blow you away. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Open your heart to Jesus and say, Lord, come into this situation and take me on. And you know what? He will do it. Whatsoever you ask in my name, he said, I will do it. Keep it, keep it simple, faith. Keep it simple. And the Lord go with you.